Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Seven years after Iran reached a nuclear deal with the five permanent members of the UN Security Council, Germany and the European Union, the talks over a possible revival of the agreement are very close to the finish line, but are apparently still there. The major stumbling block is no longer the nuclear dimension itself, but rather the Trump administration's decision to designate the Islamic Revolutionary Guard score on the State Department's list of foreign terrorist organizations, which was subsequently also accommodated by a long list of crippling sanctions and its institutions and personnel. And while the Ayatollah regime demands that the Biden administration delist the RGC, absent any reciprocal measures, pressure by the Pentagon, congressional critics and Israel are reportedly bearing fruit. Will this issue, however, prevent the renewal of the deal, or can a bypass be found and soon, before Iran has too much highly enriched uranium to do so? We are joined from New York City by Dr. Oli Heinonen, who is a former Deputy Director General of the International Atomic Energy Agency and a distinguished fellow at the Stimson Center in Washington, D.C. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you. Also joining us from Central Israel is Colonel in Re uh, Reserve Dr. Eran Lerman, who is the co-host of TV7 Middle East Review, Powers in Play co-panelist, as well as the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security Vice President and the Editor-in-Chief of the Jerusalem Strategic Tribune, among many other titles. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Thank you. It's, a, it's an honor to be in Oris company. Indeed. Uh, and also joining us for today's panel, as usual, is our TV7 editors at large, um, host of Watchmen Talk and Powers in Play and so much more, Mr. Amir Ogan. Amir, give us a broad understanding. Where are these things related to the attempt to revive this uh, 2015 nuclear agreement at the current stage? So to build on your metaphor regarding the finish line, it has been a marathon, but a few hundred uh, meters before the finish line, the uh, runners uh, seem to have collapsed, uh, dehydrated. Um, the spectators uh, see them, cheer them on, but uh, they don't seem to get off the ground yet. And obviously, there's not much uh, energy or attention to devote to uh, this issue, which only a few months ago uh, seemed very important. Now that the Russia-Ukraine war uh, is taking uh, everyone's uh, efforts away from, from all other issues. However, it does seem as if the uh, issue you mentioned, the delisting of the uh, Revolutionary Guards, uh, is waiting to be solved. And once uh, and if... Uh, there is a formula found, the other um, cards will fall um, into place. The problem is that many of uh, President Biden's critics are afraid that uh, even though it is mostly symbolic, yes, there are sanctions, but the Iranians uh, have managed to bypass those, those uh, levied on uh, the higher ranks of the IRGC, not only the Quds Force, but the entire Revolutionary Guards. But it is a signal. If you take someone or an organization off your foreign terrorist organization, 
least, it means that you no longer consider it such a threat. This is not really so because this is the only government-affiliated body in the entire world on the list. All the others are groups and organizations. But nevertheless, it could uh, uh, have the wrong signal to the Middle East and beyond. Indeed. I'd like to start with you, Dr. Lerman. The Pentagon, uh, which advises the president, uh, including uh, Defense Minister, uh, Secretary um, Lloyd Austin and uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs uh, of uh, uh, the United States military, uh, General Milley, uh, both have sat at the White House with President Joe Biden in the presence of others uh, from the American security establishment and highlighted their objection uh, to the delisting of the RGC um, without assurances from Iran, not only to refrain from targeting U.S. Uh, leaders and, and other uh, individuals related to uh, the, the uh, initial decision to, to uh, assassinate uh, the uh, Major General Qasem Soleimani, the general, of course, of the, the Quds Force of the RGC, but uh, also to scale back its uh, uh, expansionist uh, policy throughout the Middle East, uh, something that the Iranians have blatantly rejected uh, and are not willing to see any prerequisite uh, to their own demand as a prerequisite to the JCPOA. What, what can you tell us about that? To what degree, uh, from what you hear, uh, is the Biden administration this stage convinced that uh, revocation of, of uh, the RGC is the wrong course of action? Well, uh, clearly there was, a, uh, as I, to the best of my understanding, a very serious discussion at the highest level, uh, National Security Council. And President Biden uh, has uh, made the decision to come down uh, in support of the position, as you mentioned, of the DOD, uh, both uh, the civilian leadership and, it, and the military, we have to bear in mind that the uh, Secretary of Defense is a soldier, a former soldier, um, who came into uh, that position with uh, a special permission to cut off the uh, uh, period uh, that is normally required between military retirement and, and high civilian office. And he is the former commander of CENTCOM, Central Command. And uh, like others in the U.S. military, and CENTCOM has been the core of military activity for U.S. operations uh, worldwide uh, since the first Gulf War of 91 uh, and in the last 30 years, uh, like form other former senior uh, CENTCOM commanders like General Mattis and others, uh, they have internalized the perspectives of um, Saudi Arabia, the Gulf, uh, the key Gulf countries, and others in the Egypt, others in the region uh, uh, within the uh, CENTCOM AOR who see Iran as the foremost threat to stability and survivability uh, of, of the existing order. Add to this that CENTCOM today uh, incorporates also the AOR, of, uh, Israel has been added to the CENTCOM AOR. So they are also uh, institutionally attentive to the Israeli perspective. This is not Israel alone using its political clout, although it's uh, still a formidable uh, element in American uh, pol the political, American political arena. 
It is also uh, all our other regional partners and, and uh, um, like-minded nations, I think that's the, the, the best description, who are speaking in Washington more or less with one voice. This is also what happened in the uh, Foreign Minister's Conference uh, in, the, uh, in, in Sdeboker, the, Negev, the so-called Negev Summit, in which uh, four Arab uh, foreign ministers joined uh, Foreign Minister Lapid uh, speaking to, Blink, uh, to Secretary Blinken uh, in, in that spirit. So um, I, I think this is not a surprising decision in this respect. Um, clearly, the IRGC are the key element in uh, supporting the Iranian system of proxies across the destabilizing uh, much of the region, from Hezbollah in Lebanon to the Houthis in Yemen, to uh, parts, not all, of the Hashdi Shabe militias in Iraq, and, uh, and of course uh, responsible for much of the slaughter in Syria, uh, to delist them uh, basically runs against uh, common, uh, common sense and common decency. And add to this, of course, the political dimension, the fact that quite a number of Democrats, not to mention the Republicans, have raised their voice against this. And I think it's the, uh, this is, it was at this point that the Biden as president came down in, in favor of a position that no longer caters to Iranian um, demands, no longer accepts as inevitable uh, the idea that the United States must play by the Iranian uh, um, rules in order to get uh, the, the nuclear deal back on track. And uh, indeed, uh, with that being said, and just for the sake of our viewers, just two acronyms that we mentioned, DOD, Department of Defense, AOR, Area of uh, Responsibility. Uh, right. But I'd like to refer the next question to Dr. Heinonen. Uh, considering the fact that the RGC is responsible for Iran's ballistic missile program, uh, one of the components that, of course, uh, uh, ultimately is designed to carry potentially nuclear payloads, uh, Shouldn't this also be within the equation of decision-making when approaching its uh, uh, activities within the context of uh, the, the foreign terrorist uh, uh, organization listing? And another angle to that is uh, the fact that when we're talking about whether or not non-nuclear-related issues uh, should be considered in uh, the whether the nuclear deal should or should not be revived, uh, the fact of the matter is the, the nuclear deal at this stage is alarmingly bad and worse than we were just several years ago. Where are we in this position, Dr. Heinonen? I think that, uh, you have raised an important point regarding the role of the IRC in uh, Iran's nuclear weapons. It's not only missiles they were in charge of. Pivotal role was the leadership. Was Mr. Fakhrizadeh was the leader of the Ahmad program. Fissile material production, mine, mine in the Gulf area, conversion of uranium, building clandestine facility in Fordo. This all took place under the contra leadership of IRCC, nuclear weapon design experiments done to, in uh, Parchir. They were also under their uh, domain. 
And now, if we look, then the open issues which the IAEA has those access to those four locations. They are places which belong to the IRCC. They were running those places. They were using those places. They know where the nuclear material is. So when we go to the implementation, the role of that organization is crucial. Can it this time open its doors and let the IAEA to do the job to verify that the nuclear weapons program has been indeed irretrievably dismantled and all the nuclear material and facilities have been submitted under the IAEA safeguards as required by the Comprehensive Safeguards Agreement. IAEA has now soon tried four years to have access to those places. They got a declaration again one more couple of weeks ago. We don't know where they are today. And I think it's an important at this point of time that if the agreement stays as it is, that the enforcement gets much more attention. United Nations Security Council has to come in open, enforce, support the IAEA Board of Governors and the IAEA Secretariat on this work. Otherwise, two, three years later, we face the same problem. Iran is unhappy, boosting enrichment, and regardless of that, the restrictions will uh, disappear in a few years' time at the end of this decade. Also, restrictions for plutonium will uh, expire. So it is an important point to change the way this verification is done. And the onus is on the IAEA board and UN Security Council and those five countries which are supporting the NPT, uh, the JCPOA. Indeed. Uh, with that being said, Mr. Oren, when it comes down to the final decision, this is a political decision at a time when uh, political support for the current Biden administration is at an all-time low. Is this something that they are able to then follow up on in uh, the the current state of affairs that they're finding themselves? Well, you remember that uh, the uh, former Democratic administration under Barack Obama, whose vice president was Biden, negotiated uh, this deal uh, in 2015. And then when the Republican Trump came in, uh, in cahoots with Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, he uh, revoked uh, American participation in this deal. This was in 2018. And a year later, he uh, listed uh, the IRGC as uh, a foreign terrorist organization. And then in 2020, went ahead and ordered the assassination of Soleimani. Now, the Iranians uh, have... Uh, retaliated for the listing of the IRGC by listing CENTCOM, the Central Command, which you talked about, as their, as part of their own uh, terrorist organization list. And obviously, they will delist it uh, um, once uh, the IRGC is delisted. So the core of the problem is not the IRGC. It's the Quds Force, which is part of it. The IRGC itself is really the Iranian Revolutionary Military. Yes, there is the old Iranian army, the Artesh, but because the uh, authorities in Tehran do not really trust it, 
It is a relic of the past. And the IRGC is the entire defense establishment, including the defense industry and the nuclear enterprise and the, the ballistic missile project and all of uh, those uh, efforts. And much of the Iranian economy, which uh, is also under its ownership for yes. corrupt uh, That's reasons. Indeed. Right. So, so uh, when, when you uh, come down to it, it is not the IRGC as a whole which is the problem. It's the Quds Force, which is really an octopus. And uh, it is sending its proxies, its uh, foreign legions, its militias to uh, act against Israel and other countries in Yemen, in Iraq, uh, in Lebanon, in Syria. And um, Israel has its own FTO list, and only the Quds Force is on it. Israel has chosen not to put the IRGC on its list. So it is in no position to demand that uh, Biden uh, put or, or keep uh, the entire IRGC on the list. Quds Force, yes. The entire IRGC, less so. And this seems to be the compromise. Whether the Iranians will accept it or not is another matter. Well, I'd like to challenge that position. Dr. Lehrman is the former deputy national security advisor of Israel who was uh, uh, within that period of uh, the, the contentious uh, engagements with Iran. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Well, I think it goes deeper than the question of who exactly gets delisted. The real question is, uh, is the Iranian regime entitled, given its international record, given its regional record, given what it has perpetrated, I think that's the proper word, in, in Syria, in support of a murderous regime there, uh, given uh, its involvement in subversion. Uh, is it, and given the fact that for years it has tried to mislead the international community um, again and again on the nature and, and, uh, and scope of its nuclear project, um, is Iran entitled to negotiate with the United States not only from a position of uh, presumed equality, but actually dictating the terms for the United States, telling the administration that unless they adhere to certain Iranian standards, they will not be allowed to come into the room, and the Iranians will continue to negotiate via uh, the other uh, five participants, that's the, uh, the Russians, the, uh, the, the British, the French, the Germans, uh, and the Chinese. Um, that, that is uh, an absurd position for a country as fragile and, uh, and as uh, uh, internally uh, uh, unstable as Iran to take vis-a-vis -vis the international community and vis-a-vis -vis the United States. Moreover, there's another element of the negotiation which is becoming increasingly untenable. The Iranians have demanded um, guarantees that the United States will not dare to depart in the future uh, from the, uh, the agreement in, in the manner that uh, Trump did in, in uh, 2018. Now, of course, no American administration can provide such guarantees unless the uh, agreement is enshrined uh, in a treaty format, and the treaty would require 67 votes in the Senate, and there's no chance in, uh, in a million that the Biden administration can get this agreement with all its faults and its short duration and its 
the sunset closes and it's lacuna, uh, uh, supported by 67 senators, which means that uh, about one third of Republicans would have to defect to the Democratic side on this one. So the device apparently uh, invented in order to overcome this problem is for the Russians, the Putin's regime, for uh, in the midst of its uh, war of uh, conquest in uh, in Ukraine, to become the depositories of Iran's nuclear uh, military nuclear capability, uh, and and they would return it to Iran if the Americans should break their word. This is too convoluted to be supported by the, the American people, by the U.S. Congress, by the, uh, by the uh, mainstream Democratic Party. It, it basically speaks to a, a desire by American negotiators to go all the way to retrieve what's left of the JCPOA. I think that President, President Biden may be at the point of inflection in which uh, this absurdity is becoming more and more apparent. Indeed. Dr. Heinonen, if we go down memory lane to the point where the Trump administration decided to uh, withdraw from uh, the JCPOA, uh, it was actually a buffer of more than a month where the Trump administration argued that uh, JCPOA plus should be negotiated or the, the agreement should be renegotiated with the Iranians. Uh, the, the, uh, of course, the French tried to uh, then uh, mitigate a certain understanding between the United States and the Iranians. The Canadians uh, attempted at it, and uh, we saw more and more attempts that ultimately failed, and the Trump administration uh, withdrew. At the uh, then moving forward to the point where uh, the Biden administration sought to revive uh, the the so-called JCPOA, uh, it was talking exclusively uh, using the frame. Lengthen and strengthen the deal. Let's engage in compliance for compliance and then uh, improve the conditions of this agreement that is flawed. And it's something that everybody recognizes, including the Iranians, that are very happy about the fact that uh, the Americans were willing to ultimately withdraw from the position of lengthening and strengthening a deal by just repeatedly stating that they're not willing to do so. Is the current agreement in its form, guaranteeing that Iran will not break through to nuclear weapon capabilities within the constraints of the agreement that the Iranians will never agree to breach. I think that we have very slim assurances for that if we look what has happened in the last two years. If he, Iran decides that it's in its supreme interest, for example, start to pile up uranium and rich uranium stocks, I don't think that the other parties will work, walk out from the agreement and then we are in this same game again and people are looking who blinks and Iran buys more time. At this point of time, I think that the only durable solution was that Iran takes a pause on uranium enrichment, let's say for two or three years, sorts all those issues which are open and when this is over this period, one is looking how was the compliance and then decision is taken what kind of uranium enrichment activities Iran will maintain, what is in its interest. And this has to be solved not only by imposing sanctions, but explaining to the Iranian people by P5 together why this is necessary, 
why it is in the interest of Iranian people to have this kind of deal and not let it just uh, for the Iranian government to explain. I think that this is the only way out from this stalemate, put the pressure to the government itself. Indeed. Mr. Oren, uh, just uh, uh, recently there was a publication in Iranian, uh, a semi-regime uh, controlled uh, organization uh, or outlet that uh, interviewed the former deputy speaker of parliament uh, in Iran, who came out and confessed. Uh, look, we tried to uh, establish uh, a nuclear weapons program uh, for the purpose of quote-unquote, deterring the West, uh, but we failed to keep it hidden because of domestic opposition groups uh, uh, which have uh, exposed us to the international community. Uh, is this now, this confession, taken seriously by uh, the West, uh, by the international community, or is this just another statement? Because everybody already knows that the Ahmad uh, program was there uh, as also Dr. Heinonen mentioned earlier, Fakhrizadeh, who headed this program, was a major general within the, inter uh, the Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps, and uh, they have not necessarily abandoned it uh, for uh, reasons of their own, but because of the United States at the time offensive into Iraq. Well, I'm sure Dr. Heinonen knows uh, much more about the Iranian <coughs> nuclear program than this particular member of the uh, Majlis uh, who was in no position uh, uh, to know uh, uh, secrets. And uh, according to the uh, CIA, uh, 19 years ago, right after the American invasion of Iraq, the Iranians uh, have stopped their uh, program for fear of having the uh, Americans not stop in Baghdad, but uh, marching on uh, Tehran uh, too. Now, the um, uh, authorities in Tehran obviously have uh, biodenologists, just like uh, in uh, Washington, they have Iran watchers. And they are um, uh, trying to avoid overplaying their hand. Right now, yes, as we all said right here, they are trying to negotiate from a position of strength because they know that Biden is trying to undo what Trump did, uh, much like Trump undid what uh, Obama did. But uh, they may cross uh, a very fine line in which uh, Biden will tell them, you know something, go ahead, do what you want, and I will act not that differently than the Israelis. Then we'll see when push comes to shove how they uh, cut a deal. Indeed. Well, unfortunately, uh, this is all the time that we have for today. I would uh, have liked this panel to go on for at least uh, several more hours, but uh, we will have to just thank you and invite you back in the near future. Uh, so thank you very much, Dr. Heinonen, Dr. Lerman, Mr. Oren, and I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.